Super Sport Performance. MG Pilot Smart Speed Assist. 10.1 inch touchscreen. Custom ambient lighting. At 35,490 fully equipped and seven year warranty. This is value you've never seen before. The all new MG HS, the SUV you've never seen before. Kyle Adnan, welcome to Gibbo Goes 101, driven by MG. How are you doing? Good, mate. Good, good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Now, I want to start with not just the NBL League sponsor, my also uh, podcast sponsor, but also one of your sponsors, MG. They are phenomenal cars. I think you, Kendall, and myself, halfway through last season, maybe did a promo for them, um, drive around their cars. But you, you have one. Obviously, love the car and um, grateful to have uh, been given a car by MG. Yeah, it's been uh, been unbelievable. They've been uh, nothing but amazing. I've obviously sort of figured out just before we went into lockdown and stuff. So haven't been able to drive as much as I would like to have. But um, no, I got a couple of trips down the coast just before we went into lockdown, which was, was unreal and absolutely loving it. Obviously, um, I'll get to your hobbies and surfing a little later, but throw the surfboard, plenty of space. I know when we did that promo, I was joking saying you can get an active tan when you're driving, but one of the biggest sunroofs. I know your car doesn't have one, but that car we were in, like massive sunroof. And I know we talked about the features a lot during that promo, but um, all the in-car features are pretty cool as well. Yeah, it's so good. Um, I think the just the finishes and things stands out for me. So all the leather interiors, um, the Apple CarPlay and all that stuff, um, it's just so good. And music's great. You can turn on your tunes, bump them pretty loud and... Um, have a few sing-alongs as I like to do on the way down to the beach. We'll get into that later, actually. I forgot about your guitar, love. I'm going to go back and um, a southeast Melbourne boy grew up in Lilydale, uh, also playing for Kiosoth. How much fun was it playing for Kiosoth growing up? Um, pretty sure they get banners and posters of you spread out there. Now you've, you've been back since being a pro and played there in the off-season. But tell us about growing up in Lilydale with your family and playing for Kiosoth as a, as a junior. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. Um, we just obviously got three brothers. Um, we all grew up in the backyard, pushing each other around. And one was a bit bigger than me. One was a bit taller than me. I um, I think I got a dud egg or something like that, but it worked out okay in the end. And um, yeah, we, Kilsyth was great because we, we had the same group from basically the nursery squad, which is an under 11s team, um, all the way through to our Siebel team. So we kind of kept the same group all the way through. So for me, the memories are more about the mates I had and all that through that time. So we all grew up together and um, obviously there was plenty of great basketball experiences too. But yeah, just the, the mateship and stuff you have with, with those guys and you build over a long time was unbelievable. Obviously, growing up in the southeast, how special was it to, I'm sure you jumped at the chance to be able to come back and play in the heartland for the southeast Melbourne Phoenix, you know, with all that going on with your contracts and stuff? To be able to come back and play in front of your, your friends and family must have been pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, obviously the move to Sydney and stuff, it was, there was whispers of a team coming up in the southeast of Melbourne. And um, in the back of my mind, I think I was always just had the thought there that I'd love to play in front of, you know, friends and family and in my hometown. And, you know, as you mentioned, a place that I'd grown up playing basketball since I was 
five years old. And I think uh, it's probably a bit of a luxury in sport. Not many athletes get to play in front of their friends and families and um, every single night. So it's it's been amazing. And um, yeah, I just can't wait to to build it uh, in an area I guess I'm, I'm so passionate about as well. The participation rate, I think, in the southeast is like 25% of all kids come from that area in like southeast of Victoria. But um, growing up there, being able to play in front of your friends and family, also um, our preseason this year, we took a game to um, Kewasyth to play an NBL game, even though it was a preseason game back on your home Kewasyth court. That must have been pretty cool. And again, for your, your family and that to be there after the game and kind of just enjoy the NBL vibe back in Kewasyth, which probably, I don't know if it's happened too many times in the past. Yeah, that's it. I mean, um, I think there was maybe a game there between Melbourne Tigers and maybe Illawarra um, a few times. And I just always remember thinking and being so jealous of those teams that got the games at, at Kilsyth. And I always had my fingers crossed that I'd eventually get to play one there because I hadn't played, obviously, since back in the Siebel days. So um, it was almost a little bit of a, a dream come true and looking around and had that local feel to it. But yeah, it was, it was super cool, super duper cool. Um, talk to me about our, our Phoenix, this, uh, you know, inaugural season for the club. Obviously, a lot of barriers, but I've, I've said numerous times it's one of the most professional teams I've played for. Um, just your initial thoughts around the Phoenix's first season as a, as a start-up club. Yeah, as you said, I think it starts with the professionalism, and I think that runs down from front office down. I mean, you'd know as well that um, there's not many places you go where, you know, you're... CEO and um, maybe a volunteer are almost in the same meeting where from top to bottom you've got everyone on the same page about the direction that you you want to head with the club and I think it's really special and there's a real community feel um, you know with all the, the calls and things that we're making to members things like that I feel like the members feel like they're a part of our group and I think that's the way that the club wanted to wants it to be um, it's just got an amazing feel to it it's it's definitely a big family um, and it does sure feel like that. And um, it's a place you really want to turn up to go to work. Obviously, COVID's been tough for everyone in Australia, but Melbourne's still hit by it. Um, tell me through a little bit about, you know, the, the training process and highs and lows of, obviously, we were kind of able to train, had to shut it down. We went back for a few days, complete lockdown, back to four days. Like, just the highs and lows of, yeah, we can train, no, we can't. Um, how's that been for you? Oh, it's been... It's been shocking for me to be honest. I'm uh, I go a bit loopy in the house as it is, and um, to be we just moved into an apartment with no balcony just before lockdown, which was a silly move. Um, but anyway, it's 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 going okay. I think just being able to go in and see the guys, it you get your hopes up and you're like, this is great, and you get back on track, start getting fit, and then you'd have a month off again, um, and then you go back to square one and you start again. So yeah, you're exactly right. It's been a bit of a roller coaster and. Um, yeah, I'm just glad we're able to go down and um, hang out with everyone and get out of the house a little bit and get a bit of sanity. We've um, obviously we lift weights a lot. Um, you've been with Uncle Eric, uh, Eric Hollingsworth, for a few years, a couple of years now with uh, Melbourne United. I was getting the weight room. You liked it. You finally pulled out the uh, the muscle shirt and you know this this season you want to like be a bit stronger and, and throw your weight around. Um, you said that you know that rotten egg or whatever when you were kind of born the little fella, but. You know, you're starting to build on that and that's a focus of yours um, to get stronger and, and kind of um, not necessarily throw your weight around, but more hold your ground. That's kind of, has that been like a focus for you um, this off season? Yeah, 100%. Um, 
yeah, I've been in the gym with Uncle Earl for a few years and I've never uh, never managed to, to look good in a muscle shirt. So I don't know if it's just me looking in the mirror and feeling myself or what, but yeah, I've pulled out a couple of muscle shirts this year. So uh, yeah, no, it's good. I've put on a fair bit of weight, which has been awesome for me, um, around five, six kilos, which is, you will not see it. You won't notice a difference. Um, I'll still weigh 20 kilos, <laughs> but it is six kilos improvement from 14. So I can't complain. Um, but yeah, no, it's all going well and was a big, big focus for me about, I guess, getting my game to the next level. It was a, a big part for me. Well, it hasn't always been easy. It wasn't easy breaking into the league. You came to Adelaide as a DP, um, you know, little fella that wasn't massive or anything, but you've obviously built your way in. Talk to me about, you know, being a DP with, you know, Adelaide, I think Illawarra are a DP as well, but just going through that as a development player or a training guy to start out and kind of what you learned from that, um, back then yeah well um I guess when I finished year 12 so Joey had hit me up and said you know why don't you come over and try out and have a bit of a session and to be honest with you it was always a goal of mine but um I was really focused on that next year's Siebel season but I went over there and I wasn't I was really really determined but I thought you know if I have one more good year in Siebel and develop a bit more but um I spent one day there and um, with yourself and uh, yeah, Joe was like, pack your stuff and come back. And so for me, it was just a real whirlwind. Um, I had to find accommodation, a job. Um, obviously I wasn't getting paid. Um, I worked at a pizza shop called Little Chez's. It was, uh, it was a good little spot. I think you came in to eat a few times <laughs> and I waited a few tables. Um, but no, it was good. So it was a cool little experience. And I think that was one of the biggest things for me was just growing as a person off the floor. Um, on the court, of course, I made, I guess, massive strides, but off the court was the biggest thing for me. I mean, I was a kid, I, you know, I couldn't clean, I couldn't make toast, I couldn't do anything. So that was the biggest learning experience for me, just being in a new city and um, I guess trying to figure my, my way out. Um, that second year in Illawarra, I probably felt a little bit more confident, but probably spent a bit too much time at the beach as well. Um, and then probably when I got to Melbourne United, I think that's when I really started hitting my stripes of those things were coming together. The off court and the on court were kind of starting to merge. And um, yeah, that was the rest is history, I guess. Times obviously change a lot since then. DPs now get paid. But back then, even like when I started, like salaries were super low. I mean, starting out as a young kid. To not get a lot of money, like you said, like it wasn't just about playing basketball, it was trying to live and survive and, you know, taking your 20 bucks and like <laughs> trying to stretch it out with you and Doyle. And, you know, yeah. like I said, it wasn't the easiest to, to live as a training guy. Like like you said, you don't get paid, so you've got to go and work and find jobs and probably first time out of home for a while. And trying to live and survive was also, like you said, a big part of your growth. Yeah, it was massive. I mean... Um... You know, some of the, the coaches, the players, something like that might slip you 20 bucks here or there and you'd go and get a subway feed or something like that. And I mean, it's such minute things, but looking back, they, they really helped. Um, they were massive. So for me working at the pizza shop, I think I got about $13 an hour. Um, we'd play on a Sunday afternoon. Um, I remember one game actually specifically, I got on my first game um, and I actually got a steal and I got a fast break layup and someone blocked it into like the eighth row, but it was goal, it was goaltending. So that was my first bucket. So I'm like, how good is this? I've got to go straight to work straight after the game. And I got to the pizza shop and um, started waiting tables. And there was some people from the game, like, 
weren't you just playing? Like, you, didn't, you just got your first basket tonight. And I was like, nah, it wasn't me. Nah, nah. Because I was a little bit kind of shook about it. But yeah, no, nah, it was good. It was just one of those things you have to do. And I think it was actually the best thing that happened to me too, because I think you learn to, um, you know, show a bit of resilience and things aren't handed to you on a platter. And I think it's, that's always been my backbone and my chip in terms of sport. Um, it's been resilience. So I think that even those early days, jobs and things like that were, were definitely part of building my character. I love that. Uh, let's talk about United. Obviously, you spent some time with the Hawks, um, but United, um, that run of the year when you guys won the championship, um, obviously playing, I know you were playing behind Casper, but actually, what was it like playing behind Casper, training against Casper week in, week out? Obviously, one of the great NBL players, imports to play, and obviously, he's back here with Sydney again, but just learning from someone like him on a daily basis, and you kind of run to the, to the championship yeah, I mean, Casper taught me so much. Um, it, it's hard to go into, I guess, details of everything that I learned from him because I'd pick his brain every second. But for me, it was almost a competitive thing too where I came in and um, I didn't want to give Casper any days off. I remember at the start of the season, Dino said the same thing to me. He said, no days off for Casper. And like, you know, I might play two minutes. I might play 20. I don't know. But I, my that wasn't for me. My most important thing was challenging Casper every day and making sure he was ready come the weekend. And um, I remember he won the all NBL award and he, he first thing he did, he came up to me and he's like, you challenged me to get this. Like, thanks kids. I appreciate that. And like, that meant a lot to me because I was only playing a few minutes a game, um, you know, and that, that meant a lot that there was a lot of work during the week that I was doing that was helping the team. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was amazing year and that championship we just had, uh, I wish if everyone knew the answer, I think every sport would do it, but it's just this, you know, yourself, it's just this recipe, it's chemistry. It just clicks. Maybe you can't put your finger on it exactly. I think everyone would love to, but something clicks and it just really worked and we all had each other's back. And, um, I think we all knew deep down, we had a special group. Well, you talked about it then, like you didn't play a lot in a lot of games. Some games you played some, but you played your role. Like at practice, you worked hard. I talked to Damien Martin about this, about the Perth Wildcats, how the reason that I feel like they're so successful, and this is kind of what he was saying, is you're brought in to do a job. So whatever that may be, if you're Greg High, you come in to rebound and, and play defense. Damien's a defender, sets whoever up. You know, you get Bryce cut and open if you're a big... Everyone that goes into there, they play their role and you do your job as that, whatever that role is. Now, you can expand and like you might have opportunities to score points or whatever it may be, but you come in and do your job. I feel like with your team and the teams I've certainly been on that have won championships, everyone knows what their role is. They're really good at their role and then good things happen from that. But I feel like with your group, like you said, you were practice. You know, Bubbles was doing his thing. Ty Wesley knew he was going to get the ball in the post. You had great guys like Dave Anderson. Like, I feel like you guys just played your role and everyone everyone wins at the end. Yeah, for sure. I think like role clarity is one of the most important things I think in sport and getting people to buy into those. Um, you know, I knew my role wasn't going to be playing 35 minutes and shooting 20 field goals. Um, you know, we had Casper and Chris and amazing guys like that. So, but I was, you know, when Casper went out of the game, I, I had to be a spark. I had to be creative offensively. I had to put pressure on the defense. Um, I had to try and be as, biggest pest I could defensively um, and just cause havoc and bring energy to the game. Um, so, yeah, it was 
yeah, as I said, it was just a special group. We all had our little roles in the way we played and we just really binded together. So um, disappointing we didn't continue the run, but it was uh, it was an amazing year and, um, yeah, definitely one I won't forget. That's always the hardest thing. I don't know, we talk about this in the gym. My Dragons team, when I was there with Ingles and Werther and Mika Bacona, we won the championship. The next year, the team was no longer different circumstance, but it would have been good to keep that core group of players together, like the Perth Wildcats and the, the Breakers of recent years, to see what happens with the same group. Yeah, a couple of changes, but to keep that core group and, and see what, what may have happened that next year. Yeah, I mean, that's probably would have been my train of thought, but, um, you know, obviously they make their own decisions and think about how they want to run the club and um, I respect all those guys there for sure. But, yeah, it would have been nice to see how well we could have gone as a group. But, you know, in the same sense, I think a blessing in disguise was was great, an opportunity to go to Sydney and now exactly, you know, where I want to be in the southeast. Um, that Melbourne team, um, I've said this a bunch of times as well, obviously Larry and his team came in five years ago, has done phenomenal things. The opportunity, did you ever think – actually, I, I won't um, – the opportunity to play against NBA teams in preseason, like how special was that to go over, play against, I think, OKC you guys played against that year. Um, I'm not sure if you played another one, maybe Utah, but to go and play against NBA um, teams, how much fun was that and the opportunity, I guess, to get out there on that court? Yeah, it was... Uh, I remember when Dino told us that we were going to play OKC, it was like everyone was kind of looking at each other like, Really? Like, how good is this? And um, I think as soon as it happened, though, we were all kind of like, like, let's go. Like, let's go and enjoy this and, and soak in the moment. You know, we're about to play uh, an MVP of the league. Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, Stephen Adams. They had a they had a great team. And um, I think everyone was just really excited for the opportunity. And um, we rolled in. We got treated like uh, NBA players. We stayed where the, the opposing team would usually play and uh, stay, sorry. Um, and yeah, it was just great. We went and watched the Pelicans play the Thunder the night before. And, um, it was funny cause everyone was just silent watching it. Like you could tell everyone was really like, I don't know. It wasn't a nervous thing, but everyone was like, oh, like, this is real. Like, all right, where this is real. And we were watching it. And then obviously the next day we played them, but I don't know. Once the ball tips up, it was like, we're playing basketball, like, let's go and play. And these guys are unbelievably talented. Um, yeah, it was just a little bit of a different matchup at times. Um, and I remember I subbed in and on that year at United, me and Casper would mix up who would guard the one and the two and we'd, we'd just flick whoever and switch and whatever. And I looked at Cass and I was like, who you got? And he's like, he looked down and there was like six, eight Paul George on one wing and like some other six, nine dude. And I was like, I gotta like, I have to guard Westbrook, man. Like, he's massive. So then, then I was like, all right, I got Westbrook. So it was just like, anywhere you looked on the court, it was like, oh, I'm in trouble here, but that's all right. Let's uh, let's just dig in and and have a crack. You mentioned the day before when you were you watching them play the Pelicans. You think everyone was just kind of scouting and like trying to see their plays and like get as much information before taking them on the next day. Yeah, I think so. I think there was like the initial like wow, this is real. Like, this is so cool that we're in OKC Arena. And then second quarter, third quarter rolls around. I think everyone started really watching that. And I think, I remember, I think it was Dave Barlow, like, 
hit me or something like that. And he's like, yeah, no, we're going to have to like switch that play or you're going to have to. And like, actually he's like said something to do with scout. And then I kind of clicked and I was like, yeah, wow, we're really playing these guys tomorrow. Like let's lock in. Um, and as you know, as you know, we we lost by one point and Casey had a really good look at it at the end to potentially put us up. And yeah, it was a game I definitely won't forget. I don't know about you. I feel like when you're when the ball goes up, it just it felt like a normal game. But it just felt like there's so much space out there. Like you're coming off an on ball, and there's literally like one guy. No one's helping from the wings. Like it would be amazing to obviously play in the NBA. But it, I feel like it was a lot easier playing out of pick and rolls, and just felt like there's just so much room out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like yeah, it's tough to word use the word easier in a sense because. It's, it's more spread, but that window just closes so quick because of yeah. how good the athlete is. So, like, you've got so much space, but, yeah, they're just long and athletic. But, uh, yeah, uh, for me, a guy who loves to use a pick and roll and play out of that um, as one of my things, like, I, I loved it. Um, I, I felt space. I felt freedom with the ball. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a really cool game style. Um, and I think, obviously, with that extra two feet that the three-point line gives you naturally, it's just so much more spaced in the paint. Um, if only I was uh, 6'10 and athletic <laughs> coming off that pick and roll, I think I'd do all right. Every basketballer's dream, hey? I've been wishing I was a couple of feet taller for 15 years. Um, you, spent, you spent a bit of time uh, in Dallas in the, uh, the mini camp, Dallas mini camp, summer league, whatever it is. Um, how was that experience? And um, I think Dirk might have been there, but maybe of Luca too. How was that experience um, in that NBA environment for that short amount of time? Yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. It was, um, I actually grew up with my brother sort of supporting the Mavs. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, I, I, one, one thing stuck out, I guess, was we rolled in the first day and I was like, I'm going to get there like three hours early and just shoot and shoot and shoot. Like, I just want to be in there early. And I messaged one of the guys, the workout guys, and said, can I come in at this time? And he's like, yeah, no worries. And I got in there and um, it was probably like 7.30, 7. And Dirk was in a full sweat, like already sweating. It was his 40th birthday. He had his coach in there, his shooting coach. And like, he was just shooting jumpers and they were just like, his coach was going at him. Like, come on, like you got to do this, like bring your elbow in. Or I don't know what he was saying. It was in German. So <laughs> I don't know, but he was going at him. And I just thought how cool that is and the dedication to the game. 40 years old, he's in the Hall of Fame, but he's still coachable. He's still being coached. He still wants to improve. Um, it was just, yeah, I just thought that was so cool. Um, and then the facilities to go on top of that, it was just next level. Um, and then, yeah, once we, once we started playing, there was probably about 30 guys at the camp and it was super competitive, super quick. Um, I was gassed by the end of the three days. Like I've never worked that hard. It was just crazy, but, um, yeah, loved it. Amazing experience. Obviously, it would have helped you, like, lessons learned. Um, but the level you need to be at, like you said, after three days, I'm sure you train an extra amount. But where you need to get your body at, you know, what it takes and what it's required, I guess, to be at that level, I'm sure you would have taken a lot of, uh, I guess, lessons from that and brought it back to, to the NBL. Yeah, for sure. I think, like, I think for me it was, like, core and hip strength and mobility. Like, yeah, like, I'm a smaller guy, so at times like bumps are going to, I guess, wear me down more than they might somebody else who has a bit more weight on them. So for me, it was about actually avoiding screens and figuring out how I can slide under over different timings. And then also like 
getting those hits all the time from big athletic guys, as you said, after three days, I was like, wow, I need to get stronger through that area. Um, so yeah, it, it probably gave me a bit more focus in terms of my like, yeah, physicality and different things like that. I think skill wise was not necessarily like an issue. It was something that I thought actually enhanced me with the spaced floor and things like that. It, it probably helped me, but the physicality was a, was a big jump again as well. I think Finder was Finderlani over there at that same time, or was he not there? That Finn was the year after. I had um, Majuk, Dang, and Shay Illy were there with me. That would have been obviously somewhat comforting and helpful having you know fellow Australian league players kind of there and around and people to help and lean on and probably hang out with um, during that little stretch. Yeah, it was good. I roomed with Majuk Dang. I um I didn't know anything about Majuk before he came in, obviously just from the NBL. But um at the end of it we had a pretty cool little friendship after the week. He's a he's a good man and um yeah, he made me laugh a lot. It was funny, uh what he did with his money. We get you get per diem every day in uh in over at the camp, so you get a certain amount per day to be there. And he just comes in like he's a big baller because he was at the Portland <laughs> mini camp the one before. So he's probably got, I don't know how much money he had in his hand, but it, I think it was like $250 a day. So it's a decent <laughs> amount of money. And he's been there for like two weeks. And he just rolls in and he just sits down. And he's like, we came up, Kyle. <laughs> so we came up. And that was the first time I'd ever met him. And I just thought that was so cool. And he's a good guy. He made me laugh a lot. I haven't had a lot to do with him, but uh, he, does, he does sound like a, a character. And I can just imagine him walking into the room just flicking bills. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The reason I brought up Finn, you guys have a pretty cool little relationship. You guys play together, live together um, in New Zealand for that New Zealand league. Um, obviously, superstar. I've had him on here on the podcast, but superstar, up and coming, young, youngish kind of player. But how was your time with him? I guess in New Zealand and your little bromance you've developed. Um, you seem to have a few mates all over different teams, but he, he seems like a real character, a great time, and, and a great player to be around. Yeah, no, nah, Finn's uh, he's a good man. I um, we sort of started our relationship in Nelson. He actually just randomly started by sending me a message on Instagram saying like, "We need a point guard at Nelson," basically, and that's how it all kind of started. And I moved in with Finn straight away, and we just we just hit it off. Like he's just we had similar interests, and um, yeah, he's a good man. And I guess his work ethic too. We really challenged each other. Um, on the floor, he'd always be in my ear about things he sees and vice versa. And I'd be trying to tell him what to do as a big man, some ball handling stuff. And um, we just worked really well on the court too. I think it's rare you get that sort of chemistry with one guy, but we had a really nice sort of pick and roll game, um, pick and pop. And it was, yeah, we just played really well together. And then off the court, we bonded. So um, it was all happy days. A couple of barley trips together, a couple of fun times. So, um, yeah. Plenty of laughs and good times with Finney. Loves his coffee, I believe you told me. Loves a naked stretch in the house. And Does he play guitar as well? I know you like to play guitar, but does he get involved in the, uh, the I've taught music? Him, I've taught him a little bit of guitar. Um, he's definitely learning, but um, he's an elite, elite painter. Um, but, yeah, he's, um, he's always doing some weird stuff around the house. Probably stuff that's not so PG, but that's all right. We... Um, we let it go, but yeah, he's, he's an elite artist. So um, if you guys ever get a chance to look at his art and if he ever puts it up, he's very shy about it, but he's, uh, he's really, really talented. 
Well, speaking of shy, like you're obviously really musically talented, unbelievable on the guitar, but low-key, I know you can sing. So maybe if, if he posts some artwork, maybe you could do a little song and um, post a little something of, of yourself, um, Kyle, because I know you don't like to, to promote it or put it out there, but you, you do have a, like a little musical tone in that voice. No, I don't know about that. I Yeah, I just more do it for a hobby. I, I enjoy doing it in the peace and quiet. Um, I think I get a bit stage fright for sure. So, um, yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> I know um, as a club, we do a lot in the community. We try to do a lot for charity. We, we had the Starlight Foundation four-week kind of stretch. Creaky and myself were playing Fortnite. Dane was doing some ridiculous cooking, which I don't think anyone would eat that food. But you did, obviously, the music stuff. You, you'd like to... Um, obviously do a lot for charity uh, um, talk me through what you did with your mate not too long ago as well with the, the shoes and um, the stuff you gave for that charity yeah so um, Project Kick It um, Christian and Emma are two absolutely amazing human beings they, um, they sort of run a foundation for uh, people with disabilities um, they take them out um, do lots of things with them provide them with awesome opportunities like come to our games. So they organise all that and they sit at every game, um, bring everybody along, look after them, make sure they're having a killer time. But they go in above and beyond for them too. You can really see how much of a friendship they have. Um, and I just, I guess that kind of, I guess, touched me and I just, I really wanted to, I guess, help them. Um, obviously being a charity and thought I'd deliver some, some goodies to Christian for them, him to go and pass on to a few of the people um in lockdown so he got a few of the gear out and did a little video and it came up really well actually and um got amazing feedback from the families as well too so i don't know you know as well how great it is um sometimes i guess being in a position of privilege it's it's awesome to be able to give back to to people and um you know help them wherever you can and i just it just it makes me happy to be honest not just them but it does make me feel good so um yeah love it it's a, it is, it's a great feeling to know that something's so small from us, whether it's a pair of signed shoes or some singlets or a, a small video message can make such an impact on, you know, whether it's sick kids or just kids in general who are going through tough times during COVID to know that we can help in such a small way. It is rewarding. Yeah, for sure. I think that's uh, one of the greatest privileges about uh, being an athlete or even not being an athlete, I think, you know, whether you've got a platform or you don't have a platform, I think there's always opportunity for you to do good. And I think those people with maybe some sort of a platform, you know, go do good. You've, you've got the opportunity to, and you can really help a lot of people. Speaking of privileged positions, what is it like to be the soon brother-in-law of one Joe Ingalls? Now you and Annie have been together for 10, 12 years, years. 10, 10 years, years. a decade. Yep. Um, I know you guys obviously have lived in their house and house sat and been there around um, Jacob and Miller a lot, but you know, what's it like, um, I guess, being closely involved with Joe? He's a great mate of mine, but um, I just like to hear yeah. from your <laughs> point of view. Well, I wouldn't call it a privilege. I think, I think if anything, it's... He um, would. Yeah, he'd, he'd call it a privilege. I don't think I would. Um, no, nah, it's great. They've um, Joe and Renee have been absolutely nothing but supportive of me even from day dot when you know i was nobody joe was pumping me up um always had my back um renee the same renee actually you know housed me when i was in adelaide when we spoke about that when i was working there and 
you know, I probably couldn't have afforded to live um, if it wasn't for her too. And they've been just absolutely incredible. Love living with them. Um, it's always good with Joe too because he's a shocking cook, so he always wants to Uber Eats. So I'm like, sweet, I'm in on that. Your shout done. Um, but no, he's, they've been great. And Jacob and Miller are unreal. We, I spent, when Joe was home and Renee were home, uh, the kids were home. This was last off season and probably had three or four months there where finish practice, go home and just sort of hang out with, with Jacob and Miller and maybe give Joe and Renee a bit of time to do what they want to do or whatever. And um, yeah, unreal, unreal group. He's, uh, he said on my podcast he's, two weeks ago that he you know, tunes in and like you said, one of your biggest supporters, um, always hyping you up, always whatever time it is to watch games, he's watching Basically, because of you. So I think that's pretty cool to, to have someone like that in your back corner. Um, I said before you like to uh, surf. Um, obviously, a little bit harder now, but and it's freezing cold. But uh, that's a passion of yours to go out and, and surf and uh, catch a wave here and there? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, just, I guess, a little, uh, little escape from hoops and, and the big smoke. Get out of the city sometimes and go down the coast and... Um, all my friends are obviously coastal as well, so um, friends from school and, and when I was younger. So, yeah, it's so good to go down and see them and, and get in the water together and um, try and do that as often as I can around trainings and in the afternoons and stuff. Word on the street is you're a rollerblader back in the day. <laughs> oh, mate, I did, did everything under the sun, but, yeah, rollerblading was fruit booter. Fruit booter is what I was called back in the day. That's what they called it. And... Um, I used to go in the bowls and me and my brother did a sponsorship tape and sent it to uh, Ballistics, which is like a, I don't know, skate company. Didn't get sponsored, but I thought I was robbed. Um, yeah, we we were all right. My brother was really good. My older brother was, was awesome. Um, yeah, skating, we did motorbikes, race motorbikes. Three brothers, anytime one of them does something, the other one wants to do it. So we've, we're all trying to just copy each other and we did so many things. Um, we definitely made our mum pull her hair out, that's for sure. Speaking of brothers, you have a younger brother, Cooper. Now, I know you like to play Fortnite. I know you like to dog us and play with Matt Kenyon, who's, <laughs> you know, like, it's hard to get on and play a game. You have your little brother, Cooper. Oh, right. Your little brother, Cooper, what is seven? How old is Coops? Uh, Cooper is 11 now. 11 now. Like, he's, <laughs> he may be one of the funniest little fellas I've ever played online gaming with. He gets so <laughs> angry if he dies. He just gets so mad. But, again, another um, – I know he, I know I can tell by his voice he loves it when he gets to play with you and, and do that. Yeah, he loves it. Um, yeah, Coop obviously is a fair bit younger than all us boys, but he's, um, he's the biggest superstar. He – He's uh, really talented at basketball, loves his basketball, and, yeah, he loves his Fortnite too. Um, and he just he's always texting me or, or, you know, giving me a call off mum's phone saying, oh, when are you and Gibbo getting on or when are you and whoever getting on? And he loves playing with us guys. So, um, and, he, and he carries us too. He's unreal. Um, talk, to, talk me through the wild nickname, Wild Carl, because you're not exactly the most wildest human being getting around, but where did that, where did that nickname come from? To be honest, I have no idea still to this day. I reckon someone at the NBL can probably help me because I think they wrote it. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess you don't get to choose your own nickname sometimes. It's kind of just what comes out of people's mouths. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of stuck in some sense. And 
I don't know, maybe I'll throw a couple of wild passes or something <laughs> like that, but I don't know what else I really do that's too wild. You Occasionally, certainly... I've, I've thrown up on the court, though. That's pretty wild. Well, I was, I'm going to get to that later, so we'll get to that in a minute. Well, I thought um, I'd break the ice and just do it myself before you. No, nah, no, nah, I've, I've got that later on. That's that's my yeah, that's my right finisher. On, right um, every young basketballer's dream is to represent their country. You're able to do that um, with the FIBA stuff and whatnot. And talk me through how how good that was to to wear the green and gold um, and play for Australia and the Boomers. Uh, yeah, dream come true. Um, every time I did my goal setting as a kid. However old I was, number one on the list was was play for Australia every single time. Um, that yeah, I mean I've, I guess I've still got a lot of goals that I'd love to achieve in in that uniform. But for me, it was you know just getting that uniform and and hearing the stories of some of the greats and getting inducted in a sense and um, you know talking to all those guys. I mean you'd know yourself how how rewarding that is. Um, you know, watching guys like yourself in the past growing up and, and seeing every, all those greats wear the Boomers jersey to, to you know, see my name on the back of one and, and be a part of one, I think it was, it was amazing. And um, it's one of those jerseys where there's just that extra little bit of pride when you're wearing it. Um, yeah, you can't really put your finger on it, but something just goes to another level when everyone's in the green and gold. I don't want to put you on the spot and whatever, but what what are your goals? Like, do you have any, or you whether the goals for this year with the Phoenix or um, overall goals? I'm assuming everyone wants to be an Olympian, um, played a major tournament for the Boomers, um, championship with the club. But what what goals have you got um, set? If you don't mind sharing any. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, um, I think you hit a few on the head there. I mean. Step-by-step uh, step goal. Obviously, the end goal is you know playing Olympics. That would be that would actually be incredible. But I think for me, my my next step is you know be at a major tournament with the Boomers. Um, that would be number one for me. Um, and I think whilst it's probably I guess really far away from me, I think I've always done a job of dreaming way bigger than I probably am. And I think that's how the the reason that I've got to where I am. So. For me, I think I want to be in the NBA. And whilst that may be completely unrealistic or whatever it is, in my own head, I, I feel like I have to believe that to get to the next level. And whether that ever comes true or not, I don't think that's the, the issue. I think the thing is, is I don't think you should ever dream small. I think when you push big and, um, you know, wherever you land, I think you're always going to land in a better spot if you're dreaming a bit bigger. And, yeah, obviously the NBL championship would be on the cards number one would be that and the the boomers stuff i guess in terms of achievable goals in the near future i love that there's not i don't think there's any goal that's too big like there's no point you know aiming for a championship at Seville if you're trying to get one in the nbl like you may as well set the, the standard high and like you said who knows what could happen like i think that's an unbelievable mindset to have um We'll get to the courts view now. <laughs> you were with Melbourne, right? Uh, yep. You were with Melbourne playing against, I think, Cairns at the time in um, at the cage, the old cage in uh, State State Netball Centre. And, um, yeah, you, you have the ball. You're on the 45. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Brad Hill, um, assistant coach of the Cairns Taipans now, was guarding you. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> 
you just stop and try and catch some spew. Like, talk me through what happened. Hopefully, we can get some video of this and put up. But talk me through what happened when you spewed on court and then just oh, ran off. I've got to relive this again and again, don't I? But um, wasn't my finest moment. Um, but I was just super crook all day. Um, I remember getting, uh, well, as you know, as a development player, you, you don't get much opportunity to play. And for me, it was all about getting that opportunity. And I was sitting on the bench all game and I, I said to, I don't know who was on the bench with me at the time, but I, it was all clear as mud what was going on that night. But I was looking around and I just kept saying to people, like, oh, I'm so crook in the gut. So I even told the doc. The doc said to me, oh, you probably shouldn't play then. Um, I had a little vomit at like quarter time. I was just not in good Good nick at all. Um, but then Dean Demopoulos looked down and he said, he's like, Blondie. He always called me Bl- Blondie. Like, You're in. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what do I say? No to the coach right now? Or do I go and play the last two minutes? I was like, surely I'll be all right. Play the last two minutes. Um, I think I actually played all right, to be honest. A couple of buckets and a couple, I think I drew a charge even and didn't throw up before that. But then... Yeah, I just, I could feel it coming, the possession before, and I was like, oh, I want to ask for a sub, and caught the ball, and the rest is history, but um, I started running off, and Goulding gave me a towel, covered up half of it, but when I got out the back, I threw up even more, Um, and then, yeah, after that, I knew I was probably going to be the butt of a few jokes for a while, but, you know, if I can provide a bit of an entertainment, why not? (laughs) That might be one of the most bizarre things to happen on court. I'd love the NBA to pull up the, some other ones, but I, I think I'm pretty sure I was watching that game too and you just see some projectile come out and then you just do a run. I can only imagine what Brad Hill... Have you ever talked to Hilly about it since? Uh, I think Hilly was actually on my team. I think... Oh no, was it, I yeah, thought he was, was guarding you. No, it was um, the import from Cairns. His name was uh, Markel Starks. Oh, it was, my bad. Starks. Yeah, and uh, I think I got his got it on a fresh pair of Kobe. So he looked at me like, <laughs> "What are you doing?" Which is fair enough. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was good. It just um, I wouldn't change it now. As you said, a bit of a character builder, and it happens in the footy all the time. They throw up, run off, no one sees it. It's all good, you know. I was just just working super hard, and and a bit of vomit came up. Love it. Now you just talked about shoes. Um... You've, you've got a little deal with Puma. Uh, Puma are making a comeback to the basketball world. I don't know um, how long they've been around. I know a bunch of NBA guys were in, but um, they're looking after you now. I think you've got some kind of sponsorship with Puma. Like, how good's that been? And, um, yeah, talk me through their shoes a little bit. Yeah, Puma's been great. Um, obviously spoke to them in this COVID period as well about doing something. Um, and yeah, it's just, they've got amazing gear. They've been great. They're, um, they're really, I guess, trying to push into, um, the Australian market of basketball for sure. Obviously they're in the States and I guess they're really pushing that Aussie market and New Zealand market now. So yeah, they've been awesome. The shoes have been great. Um, really like the feel. And I think obviously being a, a newer brand into the Aussie market, they're really starting to develop. And I think there are, the shoes are only going to be become better and better and better as we move forward. So I'm really excited to be a part of that. And um, yeah, hopefully can continue the, the relationship for a long time. Mitch, obviously who I live with, has also uh, just signed a deal with them. And I'm very fortunate one to live with him, but also have the same shoe size. So I've, I've benefited a lot with some little you know, kick-ons. They're, 
the couch issues as well are unreal. Like I didn't realize the quality and the variety they had in Puma of all the different shoes, like a different whole bunch of different like runners, casuals, um, the basketball shoes, the high tops, low tops, it's just such a variety that I didn't even realize that they had. Yeah, they do. They've got a, a lot of variety and I think they're really, they're almost like got that retro feel to their lifestyle stuff and even their runners. And um, I think that's real cool now. Um, it's really, yeah, they look good. There's lots of cool colors. There's obviously some simple ones too, but yeah, there's heaps of variety in them. And um, you know, if you, if you're lucky like Mitch Creek and, and you're on the big deals, you get, uh, you get a bunches of stuff. <laughs> I'm lucky that he's lucky. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's a great setup, but yeah, I think it's awesome. I think unreal to have him back in the, in the basketball world, I guess. I think they've been out for, for a long time, but the varieties that I seen through here the other day were super impressive. So that's awesome. And it's awesome for you, obviously, to, to have that, that kind of shoe deal as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. I think it's, um, you know, when you're a little kid and you get all your little personal goals, as we just spoke about, I think sometimes thinking, you know, getting some sort of sponsorship from, from some sort of uh, amazing brand is pretty cool. And I think that's, that's something to be, you know, proud of, of the work you've done to, to get to that level and, um, you know, to have an amazing sponsor like Puma as well is, is, a, is a double bonus. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful. No question. Mate, that's all I've got for you. Um, I know you're super, I know you're super busy over there on your couch, stuck inside in COVID. But, mate, I do appreciate you jumping on and uh, sharing a little bit about what you're up to, what you've got going on, your goals. I think your goals, are, that's awesome to, to aim, for the, aim for the sky or the stars, as they say. So appreciate you jumping on, mate. Big shout out to MG, um, sponsor both of this, yourself and the league. Um, we wouldn't be driving anywhere without them. So, yeah, mate, I really appreciate your time. No worries, mate. Thanks heaps. And I'll, um, I'll get on next week as host, eh? We'll go, we'll go Gibbo goes, Gibbo goes one-on-one with Gibbo, but I'll be... <laughs> Gibbo. The Gibbo. Yeah, I'll be Gibbo. <laughs> well, we can talk to the production about that. That's me, so we'll make it happen. Mate, appreciate <laughs> it. Stay safe, and I'll, uh, I'll chat to you soon. All right, mate. I'll see you Thursday.